Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. Boy, are we going to be tired in March. There's just <laughs> so much going on. Jeffrey, you have something very exciting coming really soon. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really excited on, on Saturday, this coming Saturday, this March 6th at uh, uh, 5 p.m. GMT. Uh, I will be on Clubhouse uh, with my friend Julio, and we're going to be talking about psychological safety. Does your team have it? Uh, I, we did a first Clubhouse event last Saturday on kind of short notice. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I think it's something I'm going to keep experimenting with. So next up, uh, Saturday psychological safety. But that's just the start. Uh, as yeah. you know, <laughs> we're going to have a lot more than that. Um, I think uh, coming up next week, we also have. Uh, VSM DevCon, and uh, people can, of course, find the link about that on our events page, and they'll find other things there, like we have a conversational dojo next week, uh, and then later in the month, we'll be at a few different conferences, and at the end of the month, uh, we're going to, the last event we currently have scheduled is a workshop that you'll be running on decoding tech talk. Can you tell us about that, Squirrel? Sure. So if uh, you know people who, or if you yourself are a non-technical person who finds technical people very difficult to talk to, and you listen to our podcast to find out how to have better conversations with them, this workshop is designed for you. It's to help you figure out what are all the things that would really help you to um, build trust with your tech team, to have a profitable conversation that leads to uh, revenue-based results, and how to uh, uh, have a, uh, an interaction that is not frustrating and confusing, which I have a lot of non-technical people telling me. I just had one earlier today telling me how difficult he found it to talk with his CTO. So if you're the CTO, you might refer to um, your CEO and say, hey, you might want to come to this. If you are that non-technical person yourself, you might find it uh, interesting and helpful. Uh, it's on the 24th of March. You'll find uh, details on that one on douglassquirrel.com. And you'll find all of these, including that one, on conversationaltransformation.com slash events. Okay, there's our parish notices. Uh, uh, everything that's happening, and we'll try to let people know about uh, more of the uh, exciting March events as they come up. But we, we wanted to turn to a listener question this week, but we really like getting listener questions. We really like hearing from people who are uh, we're listening carefully and have thoughts about what we said. And we had a listener named Eric who had a uh, particular concern about last week's topic, which was the power of a bad idea that maybe it would be a good idea to start by doing something that wasn't optimal, that wasn't a good thing, that you knew had flaws and defects, and see where that took you, do uh, iterations from it to improve. And here's what Eric says, uh, and he, he gave a, a lengthy example in, in banking, and then he said, well, actually, I'm not in banking, but, but I, my team has done this. And what he said was, we, we keep bumping into out-of-order processing of records, but we always find a way to patch it, and we go on to add new features and new data flows. I've been here, Eric. I can I can hear you. I hear your pain. I, I've been there. Fundamentally, our system doesn't handle concurrency. We've talked about adding properly support transactional concurrency as an upcoming feature. From the PO's perspective, product owner's perspective, they just want to get some data flowing. So uh, I can really empathize with that product owner who wants to see continued results, and I can really empathize with Eric who says, "Oh my God, I have to deal with another." slew of concurrency bugs and uh, out-of-order updates and, oh my gosh, how am I going to handle that? So what, what do you think about that, Jeffrey? What, how could we respond to Eric? How could we suggest that he might use the power of a bad idea or, or maybe this really was a bad idea? 
One thing I just want to credit Eric first, um, not only do we like people reading, but we especially like it when they tell us that, um, yes, they've ordered the book, and yes, they did actually pull out a sheet of paper and summarize a conversation. So I think it's worth noting that you know he, he, he did kind of bribe us to get his question answered by saying that he'd actually done a conversation analysis. But putting that aside, he, he, he brought this up as an example where looking back at our, at our conversation from last week, we talked about the point, we made a distinction between iterative development and incremental development, uh, which is to, you know, whether you're um, starting with something rough and then uh, uh, reworking it and refining it and refining it, as opposed to where you have a plan and you're incrementally right, building pieces as opposed to you know, iteratively reworking it. And he said, um, you know, I really like that. But the problem is, is that uh, we can end up in a local maximum solution, where and uh, and that local maximum that we hit, that we've evolved our system to, is fundamentally not good enough. Uh, and the the example he gave was this one around the transactions. And I, what what reminded this reminded me of right off was a very interesting story that I heard from a product manager I worked with at a startup uh, many years ago, and he was at the startup because he'd been. Uh, essentially brought in by the VCs. He, he was introduced by the VCs. And they introduced him because they'd had a good experience with him at a prior company. And the good experience was very relevant here. It was a problem where the, the team had entered into, it ended up in a local maximum, as he described it. And they had um, done this uh, uh, iterative development and uh, ended up with a solution that was working. And um, But the problem was it it just fundamentally was not scalable enough. It was it would not scale. It would it would not handle the load they needed, and the situation they were at is in in this product manager's position was it, like it, this was a fatal flaw that fundamentally the product would, was not suitable for the market architecturally. Uh, it was it was never going to work, um, and in fact the the VCs ended up shutting down <laughs> the uh, the company. And that sounds very extreme. It is very extreme. But they were they were responding in their minds. They were able to respond early and cut their losses because they had this tip off that th this approach was fundamentally not going to work. So that's that's the, the story that came to mind for me uh, as I read er Eric's email. Right. Well, I disagree with those VCs. I, I'm I'm not convinced <laughs> at all. Now, of course, I wasn't in the situation. It could be that this team got onto such a local maximum that they really couldn't recover. But I, I'm doubtful about that, and I would I would double down on the power of a of a bad idea here uh, because of some of the experiences I've had. So I can think of a an example as you were talking. I was remembering being the CTO of a startup that well that it was a little further along than a startup. We were an e-commerce company, and we had built our own version of Shopify or Magento, uh, and we had some special circumstances. We had very, very fast turnover of stocks. So um, those systems at that time were not capable of handling it. So it wasn't completely stupid to build our own, but it was mostly stupid because <laughs> it was built pretty um, um, non-scalably and there were an awful lot of problems with it. And we didn't have, for example, any sort of framework that would allow us to um, consistently train people to uh, have consistency in our pages and so on. And what we, uh, I remember turning up and um, the team said, hey, we've kind of hit this local maximum. By the way, if people aren't familiar with that term, it, it comes from a, a mathematical strategy called hill climbing, where you, you uh, look for uh, where you are and you have a little score of like whether I'm better or worse and that you're trying to go up a hill. You kind of draw a map of where you are and you say, uh, well, this thing that's a little bit uh, distant from me is a little bit better, so I'll keep going up the hill. And you can imagine if you were actually climbing hills trying to get to the top of Mount Everest 
forest, but you start out on the, the hill that's near my house that's um, you know maybe uh, 100 feet high, um, you'll wind up at the top of that hill and then you can't get to Mount Everest because every direction would be down. Uh, so you, you actually hit the local maximum, but you can't go down and then back up again to get to the, the tall mountain. So that's the idea of a local maximum. You get kind of trapped because you, you can't um, iteratively improve because every direction from where you are is downward and worse. And the team said, well, this is where we are. We have this horrible spaghetti system and uh, we, we really can't work with it. And and uh, I said, so what are you doing about it? I just arrived. So I wanted to understand the team's strategy. And they said, well, don't worry, Squirrel. We've got it all under control. We're fixing this system and we've made a whole plan. And I said, great. How long will the plan take? And they said, one year. I said, wow, that must be one heck of a plan. How are you doing on the plan? <laughs> And they said, uh, well, we're one year into the plan. And I said, great, so we must be almost done. They said, no, we're a year from being done. And I said, hang <laughs> on, this isn't going to work. And, and this is probably what the VCs were thinking. They were thinking to themselves, well, we could go and try to make this scalable and uh, throw away more of our money, or we could just close it down and send this guy to the next startup and let's see if that works. Uh, but the the thing was, we we didn't have that option. <laughs> we weren't VCs, so we didn't have a bunch more money, and uh, we didn't want to shut down the e-commerce business. So we came up with a much better solution, which is the sort of thing that um, I really think could apply in Eric's situation. But he's welcome to come back to us. Maybe he can come on the podcast, and we'll discuss it with him. If you disagree, Eric, tell us, or if other listeners do, please tell me. That uh, what we found was that uh, we could incrementally and in iteratively move toward the better solution. So in our particular circumstance, we had a nice division of our application. There were essentially pages on which you could buy stuff, and those pages were rendered uh, in a particularly ugly and horrible way. But we could introduce a framework. We happened to use the, the Symphony framework, but you could have used any uh, mechanism. And what we could do is we could make it so that um, all the pages were rendered in the same way they used to be, but with the Symphony framework around them. And then our process we called symphonization. So we were able to take each page and say, okay, this page we're going to symphonize. We're going to make it run through the Symphony framework. So at least we understand what the heck it's doing and it will be consistent and, and standard. And we could do that page by page as we worked on each one. And that let us iteratively move our system from ugly, horrible spaghetti, can't understand any of it, to ugly, horrible spaghetti that at least runs in a framework, to this page is now cleaner and more understandable. And this next page is more cleaner and more understandable. And of course, the, the way that we did that is we worked on different pages as people asked us to work on them as the features came in and were prioritized. And that meant we touched the ones that were most important first because the people kept asking for improvements. I don't know if we ever touched the about page, which told the, kind of the story of the founders. That one worked okay. We didn't have to change it. The, the, we didn't add new founders every week, so that didn't matter. But uh, say the handbags page, we had new handbags every week and people wanted to buy them and we wanted to improve the, the page. So we would make improvements to that page. And that was one of the first to be symphonized. So it meant that we made the improvements in the parts of the system that were most affected first. And that kind of iterative improvement course, I haven't seen Eric's system. It may not may be absolutely impossible in his, his situation. And I certainly believe if you were, say, building a rocket ship that uh, this might not work for you. But most of us are not. Most of us are building things that are somewhat more loosely coupled and less uh, interdependent. And uh, an approach like the one I'm describing uh, could help you iteratively move out of the local maximum by working with pieces of the system to move them ahead. And so I wouldn't have shut the startup down. What do you think, Jeffrey? <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Um, hearing you describe it, it reminded me of um, Martin Fowler described this thing that used to be called the Strangler application or the Strangler pattern. Oh, yeah. 
re, now rerained uh, the Strangler Fig application. So oh, I hadn't caught up with that one yet. Okay, me that was a, that was a 2019 uh, renaming. So um, ah. fairly fairly recent, but I, I link in the show notes, of course. And and in general, what I really liked about your story here was the sort of you know technical creativity. And and I think I, I, I tend to agree with you that almost always there's a way for us to to, to pull ourselves out of this. Now. You know, we could argue. Now, I think one important part of what you were doing is you'd say, like, you know, were you um, hill climbing? <laughs> you know, it, I imagine you you might be putting some effort in that for a while doesn't give you an immediate ROI. Yes, that's true. And, and so, you know, if if you could strictly say, you know, okay, we're we're making investment, but I, look, that's fine. There's there's nothing about um, the the uh, uh, iterative approach that says it should be a hill climbing algorithm. You know, it, it often is, but you get stuck at a local maximum. Guess what? Find your way out of it. I think that's, 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 I think for me, the short version of it, of what you're describing. The the other thing I'll just, I will mention, um, you know, I'm people who've seen my picture know that I'm a gray beard and, and actually that's a kind of, in a sense, your fault squirrel, because when we're, when I came to work from you, you said you were looking to hire a gray beard. So I said, well, I need to grow a beard. <laughs> yeah. And it was gray, which was very convenient. Yeah, exactly. Now, the thing is, what what that means in practice, is I've actually been around in the industry for a long time. And in particular, I'll say I was in the software industry in the 90s. And um, it's this is one of those kids these days things. Um, oh, so yeah. If you, yeah. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Kids these days, um, they, they read what we all, these old timers wrote back in the late 90s and early 2000s about things like Yagni and, uh, you know, don't do big upfront design and, uh, you know, things like that. And um, the thing is, they, they, it's a, one of those things about context. You know, what, what we were talking about in those days was when you had the design phase, you know, where the design phase of your schedule was going to take two to three months. And, you know, then, then you were going to go from the design phase to the requirements phase or something like that. You know, there's, there's this, these phase gate processes where the design process was very long. Um, I, I do think there's a case, I will say this, where you can harm yourself by not looking ahead to kind of what's obvious. And, um, and so what the other part that resonated with me in Eric's story is um, people who set off saying, oh, no, we don't do any kind of design anymore. We, we will not, we, you know, we refuse to go to a whiteboard and talk about architecture. And um, this may seem like an exaggeration, but I will tell you from personal experience, we've had, I've had people tell me, no, no, that's big upfront design. We should just start with a test. And people like that often then hire me later to get them out of a mess. So uh, keep keep doing that, folks. Great. It's a super business. No, it's not. Please, please don't. So um, I, I will go back and say, you know, when we're talking about, uh, um, you know, fans of Agile and we're fans of uh, iterative development and, and we, 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 I would also say, you know, that um, it, it helps to understand a bit of context. And we, we've passed, we've talked about, you know, quote unquote, non-functional ideas. And, and the idea of understanding a bit about what we expect the system to do in the future and to say, you know, do we have a reason to believe that what we're doing is reasonable? Now, it's quite possible that you will end up on a local max maximum anyway. And, and, and if you work long enough in the industry, I guarantee it will happen to you. So uh, that's not, not you're not going to avoid all problems, but you will avoid a certain amount of them. The good news, as you just described, is if you do, you can probably find your way out uh, if you're willing to go think about how you'd incrementally approach it. Now, there, there's a, a different problem, which is, you know, how do we build uh, and have the discussion about now is the time to make that change? 
um, but that's going to have to be, I think, uh, a problem for a different episode. <laughs> Indeed. I just wanted to add one more thing about the, the Eric situation that I think the the iterative approach I was describing could really fit well for. Uh, he, he says there's this tension, and it goes exactly to this point you're making, Jeffrey, about how do you know when to do it. There's this tension between what the product owner wants, which is get some data flowing, and developers who say, oh my God, could we just get some transactional concurrency? And the, the way we squared that circle in this case was to take the um, uh, transactional concurrency, in, in our case, it was the, the kind of spaghetti code, the, the problem that we were trying to fix, and find a way to atomize it and do little pieces of it alongside keeping the data flowing and selling handbags. And that's a, an art. That's a, a tricky thing to do. Maybe that's something that we should talk about again. So we'll, we'll ask listeners to, uh, to tell us if you'd like us to cover that in a future episode exactly how. But that, that's the, the ultimate uh, trick, if you can manage it, is that you can do a little hill climbing, so you're still trying to improve in a certain area, but you're also making an investment in the long-term improvement. If you can split it up fine enough, you can manage to do both without as much pain. So uh, we'll, we'll leave Eric with that idea, and he's welcome. To, he and others are very welcome to come back and, and argue with us. Of all the topics we've done, this is one I expect I can really expect people to argue with us and say, no, no, you don't understand. Here's a situation that could never be done any other way. And other people who said like, well, of course, we can start with just a test. We don't need that whiteboard design stuff. Exactly. So perfect. We'd love to be attacked from both sides. If you'd like to do that, you can find us on conversationaltransformation.com. That's where you'll find the events we mentioned at the beginning. On the events page, you'll find our book, Agile Conversations. You'll find our email and Twitter and, uh, I don't know, Carrier Pigeon, anything else you can find us <laughs> with. So uh, feel free to get in touch with us that way and let us know what you think and how much you disagree with us. That would be fantastic. And we'll see you again next Wednesday. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.